I want to thank you for your generosity, for all the food that you have been bringing in. We will be delivering tomorrow to New Smyrna, to Coronado Methodist Church, um, and also for the money. I don't know as of today how much we have received. We will know tomorrow, and we will take in that money as well. We'll let you know next week. Thank you so much. Uh, today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. I'd like to invite you to read it with me. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is one thing that most people wish they have more of, and that is time. As one of our nation's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin once said, lost time is never found. Most of us know that certain situations or social media or certain people in our lives can distract us or keep us from using time in a productive manner. The Word of God reminds us to use our time wisely, to watch how we walk, not where we walk, but how we walk. We are also exhorted to walk carefully, to consider all the circumstances and consequences. Why? Number one, because we are called to be reflectors of God's glory. And number two, because our time here on earth is short. As a matter of fact, James tells us that life is but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. In the Old Testament days, uh, people had a linear view of time. Time had a Tillic thrust to it. Time was moving toward the end or completeness. However, when Jesus came to earth, he introduced a new way of looking at time. He emphasized the now. The day that he walked into Zacchaeus' house, he said, salvation has come today. And he went about preaching, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. He really emphasized the now. And since then, there have been other ways of keeping time. One way is called world time. For years, this was the method the world used to set its clock. World time was determined by the relationship of the earth to the sun. And it enabled humans to measure time by the movement of the heavens. Then in 1972, a new way of keeping time was adopted called 
atomic time. This method measures hours, minutes, and seconds, not merely by the big picture of the heavens, but by the highly ac accurate vibration of the atom. There are at least three words in the Greek language, the language, the Koine Greek, that um, the New Testament was written was the Koine Greek, and there's three words when they talk about ling uh, time. One is aino, age, like the Jewish messianic period. Then there's chrono, a space of time, like the tick-tock of the clock. There's a space. And then there's Cairo, an appointed time or a season. The word used in verse 16 for time is kairos. This verse um, can literally be read as redeeming the appointed time or the season because the days are evil. You see, you and I are placed here on earth for an appointed time or for a season. Friends, our time here and now is limited time. That's why we must be wise and surrender our lives totally to him. Live for him. Don't be just a Sunday Christian, but an everyday Christian. Because the time is short. Go all out for him without any kind of reservation. Understand what the will of God is for you. Yes, the days are evil. But you and I can make the most of the day. Do not see the evil day as a curse or an obstacle, but see it as a possibility to bring glory to God. Don't let the circumstances defeat you. Overcome the circumstances with the word of God. We read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, and the word of their testimony. As the Apostle Paul would say, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. His, his grace is sufficient for us, especially during the evil days. Have you seen those lustrous, beautiful pearls that can reflect the color and the shape of the surrounding objects? I love pearls, so whenever I go out and there's a store and they have pearls, I just love to look at them. Well, I always thought that they became so beautiful because of the uh, friction of the sand. And I read the other day that that's not true. That sand is not the irritant. What is the irritant is a piece of food that gets in there and the animal senses the object and coats it with layers and layers of aragonite. The same uh, uh, substance the animal uses to build its shelf. 
It is out of this friction that a beautiful pearl emerges. We too can shine amidst the trials and the pressures of our days. We need to take our focus off the visible and the crisis and set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As the apostle exhorts us, do not waste your time in sensual pleasures or excessive indulgence. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul knew that there are people or situations in our lives that can drive us literally to drink. But he warns us not to go there. Because in our desperate need to escape the pressure, the tension, the pain, we might end up losing control. Instead, we are invited to drink from the everlasting fountain, the Holy Spirit. You see, when we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord into our hearts, the Father comes and the Holy Spirit comes, the three-in-one. They come to indwell us. And after that event, we need a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. We don't wait for a crisis to do it or for something to go wrong during the day. We go to that, what my friend used to call it in Oklahoma, we go to the glory spout every day to receive from the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts, our minds, as Jesus would say, because out of us, out of our inner must, streams of living water will flow. Jesus knew his disciples would not be able to thrive in this world without the Holy Spirit. Before his crucifixion, as he was getting them ready and telling them about what was to come, he said, I'm going away, but I'm sending you the counselor. And the Greek word for counselor is the paraclete which means one alongside, one who is called to help. And in the root of this word are the ideas of advising, counseling, exhorting, comforting, strengthening, interceding, and encouraging. The Holy Spirit is there today now as we are gathered here, interceding for us. He's standing alongside all the time, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth in John 16, verse 12. The Holy Spirit points to the opposition between the world and the disciples. He is the one who convicts, John 16, 8. He guides, John 16, 3. He glorifies Jesus, John chapter 16, verse 14. He's a whole person, different from the Father and the Son, the three are one. He's the third person of the Trinity. He desires a relationship with us. And as we read a few weeks ago on F, um, in, the book of Ephesus, in the book of Ephesians, that he could be grieved by the things we do or say. 
The Holy Spirit is the producer of the character of Jesus Christ in our lives. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, kindness. He's also the giver of gifts, gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. Jesus knew we would be lost and powerless without the precious presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is why he told the disciples after the resurrection, he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised to you, Acts 1-4. And in Acts 1-8, we read that he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit would come upon you. That same promise stands today. We too can receive the same power. We too can receive the same strength. You see, once the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in a person's life, he becomes very personal. He makes intercession for us, as I, as I just mentioned. Romans 8.26 tells us that. The Apostle Paul then uses three verbs to indicate the result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Speaking, singing, and giving thanks. In other words, we will be able to edify one another as we speak, as we go about our day. We will speak the word of God to others. Rather than negative words and telling people, oh, well, my dad had the same thing and he died a week later. Or, that will never work. It has never happened before. We speak the word of God. We tell each other, you know, the Bible encourages and says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The, the Bible says that we could pray for one another. We could pray for healing. We could encourage one another. Or you could take the person's hand and say, let's pray right now. It doesn't matter where you are. You could just move to the side. It could be at Publix. It could be out in the parking lot. God hears our prayers wherever we are. He wants us to be his instrument, no matter where we are. When trials, disasters, challenging situations come into our lives, the natural response is to complain or to grumble. This behavior displeases the Lord. The dictionary defines the word complain to make an accusation, to find fault. When a Christian is a complainer, he or she is basically accusing God of mismanaging his affair or her affairs. Grumbling is a sin. Every time you and I get on a complaining mode, we displease God. Because the root of murmuring and complaining is unbelief. When we murmur against God, we're basically saying, God, I don't believe 
you're able to do what your word says. It's one thing to come to God and say, you know, I'm not happy about this situation. It baffles me. I don't even know what you're going to do about it. Can you help me understand, Lord? Or to say, Lord, I'm mad. I, I thought that you were going to do it this way, and now you're going to do it the other way. But you are bigger than it all. And I trust that you have everything under control. So I'm still going to praise you and thank you in the midst of the situation. I'm going to believe that something good is going to come out, out of all of this. Rather than grumbling. Remember our good friend Job in the Old Testament? He went through a major trial. Though God had a good plan for his life, pain and suffering was part of that plan. The pain in Job's life was executed by Satan, but permitted by God in order to give Job a greater faith and blessing. During the time of trial, it did not look like God was anywhere near him. His friends would come and visit him. He had three friends, that boy with friends like that, who wants enemies. And they would come and tell him over and over that there must have been some sin in his life. Something was wrong. He must have done something wrong to be going through so much pain and so many losses. And on top of that, his lovely wife one day said, Joby, you think you really need to curse God and die? His answer was, you foolish woman. I won't tell you the rest. You need to read it. But in the midst of all of that, you know what he said? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, trials, crises, stresses, friction will either purify us or destroy us. Thanksgiving should characterize our lives. Most of the Apostle Paul letters begin with thanksgiving. In the letter to the Philippians, he writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. See, a disposition of continual thankfulness comes from an unshakable confidence in God's wisdom, power, and goodness. No matter what our circumstances may be, by doing this, we release God's power to work in our lives. 
There's always something to be thankful for. You see, during the day, we're going to be tempted to complain. You're driving, someone just gets in front of you or does something that is not right. And we have the choice to start complaining and speaking ugly words over that person or to say, Lord, bless him. He must be in a hurry. Help him get there on time. Help him to uh, drive better, Lord. Bless him. You and I are always going to be tempted during the, the day. But we do not have to give in to that temptation. We could always speak positive words and words of life and have an attitude of gratitude in our hearts. It will change everything we do. I encourage you, when you're tempted to complain or to murmur, to think about two things that you can be thankful for. I'm sure you're going to have a lot more. But think about at least two things that you can say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for my spouse. I thank you for my children, for the sun, for the moon, for this house, for my car, for salvation, for the rain, or the sun, if it's a sunny day, a warm day, for the coffee I'm drinking right now, for the friend I have. Even if you only have one friend, you have one friend. Thank God for that friend. Wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and confess what you believe. This is a day that the Lord has made. This is going to be a good day. I am going to walk out that door, and the blessings of God are going to follow me. You might say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that the blessings of God are going to follow you? Because that's what we read in the Word, Psalm 23. Goodness and mercies will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. Make confession of what you believe. Say it, this is the best day of my life. Every morning when you wake up. Oh, well, what if I, I open the door and I have a flat tire? Well, bless the Lord for that flat tire. He's going to provide a way. He's in charge. He's got everything under his divine control. Say what the psalmist said. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be on my lips. Psalm 34. Or Psalm 105. Today I will give thanks to the Lord. I will call upon his name and make known what he has done. Beloved, I invite you today to ask the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with his presence. You and I can have a life-giving relationship 
with the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can empower us to be better stewards of our time and to rise above every circumstance. It's all about what we think. It's all about our mindset. If you really think you're going to go under, you will go under. But if you really believe that God is with you and you can rise to the occasion or above the circumstances, you sure will. You sure will. Because he who promised is faithful. And he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. You and I are here for a short time, for a season. Let's make the best of it. Live every day of your life as if it was your last day. Do not let anything unsaid. Make sure you tell your children, your spouse, how much you love them. How dear they are to you. And cherish them. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, truth divine. We cry out to you this morning. We say fall upon us. Individually. And corporate. I pray that you would fill every heart here today with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, you will put a new song in our hearts. That we will commit ourselves to you to, from this day forward, make melody in our hearts. To honor you and love you with our hearts Convict us. Enable us to use our time, your time, because we belong to you wisely. We don't know how much time we have left here on earth. But whatever it is, Lord, we want to live it for you. We want to make every minute of it count. Help us to redeem the time. Help us to be wise stewards of everything that you have entrusted to us. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>